welcome once again, friends, to another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick, once again joined. I'm not even going to give you a funny name, because you're just Jason Farley, man. You're a good guy. You come on all the time, and it is awesome to do shows with you. So welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. I'm, I, I'm, my, my name itself can be funny. <laughs> Jason Farley. Get it? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're going to do something different today. I don't know if you've seen on, on YouTube, particularly, a lot of these technique critique videos. And so you'll have a, an astronaut critiquing astronaut movies or a fireman yeah. critiquing fireman movies, things like that. Well, one thing I haven't seen, uh, Doug Wilson, pastor, reverend, whatever he likes to be called, Doug Wilson does some of these, but he mostly reacts to viral clips and things like that. And I wanted to do kind of a pastor reacts to different movies and television shows that are either wholly about or have scenes featuring God, the church, Jesus, Christians, et cetera, et cetera, and then evaluate them effectively based on three criteria, theological accuracy, historical accuracy, and entertainment value. Now, some of these in the one we're doing today zero historical accuracy because it's not about <laughs> it's not about history but that would apply for something like noah for example right which also right. i think is other than the flood zero historical accuracy but <laughs> nonetheless theological accuracy can be interesting and so i want to be careful because i know we've got a lot of the theology wonks uh, amongst the lower brass and, and as well in our audience when we do these we're not saying that these are films you should teach in bible study Okay, that you should bring these and use them for your discipleship materials. But sometimes Hollywood can accidentally say something that's right about God, even though they don't mean to. And right. so let's look at, well, what, yeah, would God actually do that? Would he not do that? What are the implications of that? So it's going to be an interesting theological walk through some of these films. And Jason, the first one we're going to do, I can't believe this... It, the movie itself is coming up on, on, is it already more than 20 years? I don't remember the year of release, but that should tell you how long ago it came out. But Bruce Almighty with with Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman. And, of course, uh, Morgan Freeman plays God in this. And Bruce Bruce Almighty, what's his last name in the movie? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm blanking right now. doesn't matter. Anyway, Bruce Nolan. Um, he's a newscaster, and, and God endows him with all of his powers. And so... So, Jason, what I want to do, we're going to play a few clips and just break it down for us with your theological acumen, and we'll walk back and forth. And and as you are watching, uh, our lure audience, what, maybe you see something we missed. Put those things in the comments. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think, really, at, in, in about these films, and we'll see if, if this works. We're going to try this, see if it works. Try it a couple of times. Let us know in the comments. Let us give us some feedback. Send us an email, of course. Be sure to uh, subscribe to Lure, lure.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. Sign up and subscribe because we do tell the stories that Holly wouldn't. But we're also not afraid to go into these kinds of subjects and hold them accountable to what they say they're doing. So if Hollywood is going to say, this is how God acts, we're going to put that under the microscope today. Let's get started. Here's the opening clip. I believe this is where, well, actually, no, let me make sure I get this right here. I don't want to do the wrong clip. Uh, let's see. Yes, God gives a pass. I believe this is where Bruce, where Bruce meets God and God gives him all of his powers. Check this out. In this building, you will be endowed with all my powers. Whatever you say, Bill. Okay. That did not happen. And no one needs to hear about it. I'm deleting the program. No. No. I'm not going to break it. That's what it is. Normal, everyday, psychotic episode caused by a tumor or brain lesion. Start! <laughs> I was lucky. Come on, man. Calm down. Do not meet God. Do not have his powers. <laughs> if that was God, then I'm Clint Eastwood. Holy hell! Careful what you wish for, punk. No, uh-uh, nope, nope. I am a reasonable, sane human being. 
44 Magnum. The most powerful handgun in the world. I'm not Clint Eastwood. I'm Bruce Nolan. Bruce Nolan. I'm Bruce No! Clint! Special on soup today. Oh, no, that's fine. Oh, thank you. It's tomato. Uh, I made it myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got to pause it right here. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I've never seen this movie. So this is my first. What? You've yeah, never I, seen Bruce Almighty? I, I haven't. It's it's one that's always been on the list because I like you know Jim Carrey's really funny, but I just have never gotten to it. So oh. I, but so this is so it's it's fun because it's all new to me. Um, but here, so first things first, the um, the metaphysics of this is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> It, the idea that you um, that God's power is some sort of magical thing that magical control is is more like a, a Greek understanding of the gods than okay. actual God, right? So, um, because all, if you're giving him all all his power, it's the power is not um, uh, to control creation. Right, it's the power of existence, right? So, the first thing is just the incommunicable attributes of God are um, obviously not being understood properly here. Right, whereas God is not just the most powerful of all of the things that exist. Like he's the he's the whale, and we're all guppies in the pond, and that's why he is uh, in charge. But instead, he is the one that is not creation is the the creator creature divide is between the kinds of beings we are and God, who is the creator who's independent, who exists on his own and all of that. So he is the, um, not a thing in creation and we are all things that have been created. And so we're closer to angels and stars in our being than we are to God because God is a wholly completely separate kind of being. So the fact that he says, you have all my powers, just that's, that is an we, impossible thing. So that's just, yeah, he, let's just get that out of the way. He couldn't, God could not do that because if he right. gave him all his powers, then God would no longer be God because he would no longer have all his powers. Right. I mean, you right. get into a paradox there, which is impossible for him to do. I will say this though. I noticed something in watching that clip that I've never noticed before, and I've seen this movie hundreds of times. So he gets all God's powers. The first thing they show, he walks on water, you know, and so they're doing the little, they're doing all the little things that we, yeah. that culture recognizes as all these parlor tricks, right? And the miracles. Right. They're looking at those, and there's about to be one I want to show you in this clip coming up. But the, but he, when he shut his car door, it, it cracked it. And like his strength was such. And then yeah. whenever he would he, he would speak, he would speak things into existence on the charismatic way, but in I'm right. assuming a Genesis one and two way. So they are taking that. Okay, God right. spoke and said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Okay, I'm not Clint Eastwood, but of course they're portraying it for laughs, so it looks like it's an accident. And can you imagine a world where when God speaks and accidentally things would occur? I mean, that would just be that, that would be yeah. So chaotic. So also, there's no way that, that he could have all God's power because that would mess with the sustaining of creation itself because it would be messing right. with it. Am, am I on the right track? Now? Yeah, right. Yeah, because the <clears throat> central to his power is he, we, we are dependent beings, meaning that God holds us in existence. He is an independent being, meaning that he his existence is held by his own existence he's not whole he he's there's nothing holding him in existence he hold but we are held in existence by his 
continued will for us to exist or his Jonathan Edwards called it his continued his continual creation. He mm. continually is speaking us into existence. Um, not as if we go in and out of existence over a whole bunch of times, but it's, but it's not that he spoke once and now we have our own existence that exists apart from him. God is a storyteller. He's continually speaking. Well, you're, you're talking about us into existence, singing us about... to be held in existence. How he, well he, he's the creator and the sustainer of all the things. Sustainer, what, exactly. Is, that, it's a sustaining work. He's keeping it going. He's you know, um, not yeah. not turning. He turned on the oven once, and now he's keeping it on. You know, and, right. And and we continue to bake or whatever it is we're doing. And that right. terrible analogy. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. But I, but I was I just wanted to get that out of the way because once you that's out of the way and you think well this is more like this is a different sort of conception. Um, it's it's more like Zeus stopped and he said, "Hey, I'm going to give you all my powers." Then I think you can say, "Okay, now we now let's look at the actual details." Okay, <laughs> um, so in that dealing in... with a different sort of God, um, they're dealing with a different sort of God altogether than our God. Okay, so I, w- I want to ask you quickly about that, but I also want to mention too, the Bible tells us anytime you see either a pre-incarnate God in flesh. Uh, noted by the if it's the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, different than an angel of the Lord, right? Or you have God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So, theologically speaking, Morgan Freeman, Jesus is God, but that's Jesus. It would be if, if we were looking at it, theologically speaking, Jesus looks a lot like Morgan Freeman and spent some time in Shawshank, <laughs> right? Well, and, yeah, theologically speaking, that would um, you know, it it would be. Um, yeah, the the that God showing up w- amongst His people is all is always the second person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's he. That's the 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 God that does that, and then that God, th- then that person of the Trinity is the one who draws us to the Father or brings us to the Father. Um, and so yeah, you've got the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, you you have the the. God who comes down and lights the you know, the the person of the the Trinity that comes down and lights the the altar fire and and it is in the temple. Um, that's Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, who draws us, who, who then draws us to the Father. Um, so so, um, but in the in the Middle Ages, because they didn't like to make God a character in their fiction stories, what they would do is they would hide God behind. Um, other hide the the active um, nature of God that behind other characters, um, so that you could because they didn't want to ever make a world where there wasn't a God, um, because they they wanted to be able, but they so they but they didn't feel uh, comfortable making him a character in their story, and so they would hide God behind um, other kinds of characters, so behind. Uh, Zeus, or you know, they they would u- use the use other other creatures and say, "I'm going to put this character in as a stand-in for the voice of what I what God would say in this moment, or something like that." And so, in in that sense, um, this isn't something new. Christians have been trying to figure out how do you tell stories where you don't make God a character you're in control of, but you want to build a world that reflects reality and that God is there. Um, this is something we've been wrestling with as Christians writing fiction for a long time. Um, and so I think, I, I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt. That, um, I, I don't know who the writers are or anything, but the, Tom uh, Shadyak, I think is one of them worked with okay. Jim Carrey worked with him a lot on Ace Ventura came, comes out of that. Okay. Okay. Uber. So we can say, okay, let's, let, let's, let's keep going on with the clip and find out if they successfully accomplish something that, somebody like Chaucer would do where he, he um, builds a sub world under which uh, gods exist, but they aren't the God because he doesn't want to make him a character in his own story. Let's try okay. that. Well, let's look at, let's look at a clip of how Bruce answers prayers. How's that? Okay. <laughs> okay. I need something with a lock security combination password. You've got prayers. 
Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless, no mess. Downloading now. It's <laughs> good, it's good. This is gonna take a while. three prayer requests. I better manifest some coffee. Hola! Juan Valdez! Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Disfruta un buen café. Gracias, señor. Adios. Adios! Now that's fresh mountain-grown coffee from the hills of Colombia. So there's a few things in there. Now there's a little bit more about prayer coming up. There's another. There's a couple other prayer clips we'll look at because that's also I think something worth worth drilling into. But just your your cold reaction from Bruce answering prayers the way he thinks God must. <laughs> I mean it. It sounds that sounds like a recipe for disaster, right? <laughs> I mean, and this this is this. You know, as a screenwriter, you can tell he is. The, the screenwriter at this point is dealing quite directly with Bruce's controlling lie um, mm-hmm. of, so this has probably got to be the moment where he thinks, Oh, I can act according to what, I, how I think the world works or my, whatever my complaint is about the world and uh, I'll fix it all. And it just makes things worse. I'm guessing um, yeah. because <laughs> that's, that's a perfect setup for that. And um, I I appreciate that he is that his um, man what a bunch of whiners comment um, <laughs> it makes him say it makes him depersonalize every single person in the world. Yeah. So now the whole point, like the, a big point of prayer, is is taken away because these are right, whiners. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Uh, but, but I would say but, that's accurate to how you and I would do it. Right, I think you're right. So, I think he, I think he's actually showing us something true about God by showing how, because we all look at that and we say we know that's not right, right? Mm -hmm. It's obvious that the filmmakers are saying that's the wrong way to deal with prayer. Not even gonna listen, just gonna like blanket yes all of the prayers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you know, and we all there is. In Christianity, and I think it's to it's to our detriment. We always say when we ever, whenever we say God answered our prayer, it's, it's He said yes, or it worked out our way. And if it didn't work out our way, well, God didn't answer our prayer. So God never says no; He just hasn't gotten around to it yet, or He said yes. And right, but sometimes He does say no. Sometimes He does say not now. Sometimes He does say not that way. Jason, in your theological understanding, what are some of the factors that God has to weigh in when hearing our prayers? Well, I, I think yeah, we we tend to think of God like a bureaucrat. Um, like it, we're we're trying to get the we're we're trying to get our our license to do whatever the thing is that we want, and so we apply with a prayer, Lord, this is what I need, and if we have the if we have the paperwork filled out right and the right stamps in the right order, then he's going to give it to us. Um, and if he didn't give it to us, it's because we did something wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, mm-hmm. And that's the, that a bureaucratic understanding of the way God works rather than a father to his children. 
um, where you know my kids ask for things and I look at it often and say that wouldn't be good for you. So mm-hmm. no, you you can't have um, you can't have candy before dinner, right? Um, <laughs> you the, that wouldn't be good for you. Uh, so the 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 father child relationship I think is the central metaphor when it comes to prayer or the king um, subject relationship is also used regularly when it uh, and, th- and that's actually the where the words come from you know I um, how we use the the metaphor I uh, we you used to go when you would go to a king asking for um, the you, uh, making a petition that you that was a prayer you prayed a petition to the king um, but the we've been, but then we've been adopted into the royal family so it's still a king subject relationship but we are closer than just a subject um, even though we are also a subject we're also a son so um, and and then God is all knowing in a way that we can't be and we aren't and this is one of those incommunicable attributes commu- uh, attributes that we can't take on the all-knowing nature of God we just can't have he has it and he, he's on our side and so when he says no to one of our prayers it's because he has a a particular uh, answer uh, a particular thing for us that's better than what we're asking for it's never because he says eh, I have some torture that I'd like to send you through. Now, sometimes he does send us through torture, but it's because there's resurrection on the other end of the torture that is, uh, is there for us, you know, um, or it, that there's, there's better life that direction. Um, and the, you know, the paths of the dead are the way that Aragorn gets through yeah. to the, uh, to the, where he needs to be on the battlefield. And uh, sometimes it's the same for us. We, we, we also don't understand, because God is infinite and we are finite and limited and local, we don't understand everything that is his nature is his character. God cannot contradict his nature and character. And there are times when even some of the most mature Christians will ask God to do something that's contrary to his nature or character. We don't know. And I'm not saying we're a victim, but we just don't have the understanding as well right. of what, we are, what we're really asking him. And what that what that means, and and what that affects, and and what the consequences will be, which which he knows. Here's another question too. We hear a lot, and I hear a lot of people say it. I believe in the power of prayer. I think that that is hogwash because you can. <laughs> I do. I think it's useless, and right. I don't know. I don't know why we say that. I, and it's hard to bite my tongue to correct, not to correct people. Maybe I should, but. Because it's not prayer by itself. There, there's right. no power in, in saying in us saying words. There is no power. The power is always in the object of prayer, i.e., Jesus Christ, or the or the power or the lack of power if it's not Jesus. So, the power of prayer. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, you look at Bruce had all those emails. Those emails meant nothing unless Bruce engaged with them. Right. And I think that's also kind of an accurate. There. There. It's it, unless I'm going to the right place. And Bruce was answering those. Although the fact that the world doesn't blow up in Bruce Almighty means that God was still in control, right? And, yeah, <laughs> and was fixing his messes beyond, you know, in ways that were not in the script. Um, but they didn't know that that it was Bruce answering, right? So that was right. the wrong receptacle for those prayers. They're like one of the one of the answers to prayer in the in the in the film is everybody wanted to win the lottery. And so they have this thing where like a million people win like three cents or something like that, and they're all picked <laughs> off. But you know that, that's kind of how it would be. I mean, and again, again yeah. am, I, am I off base there in the theology? No, yeah, that's exactly it. And what? But I, th- I think so. Th- you know, people say, "Oh, well, I really believe in the power of prayer," and sometimes it's they're they're speaking metaphorically, and what they mean is God is listening, right? And and um, the. John Calvin says, if you want to know the future, um, then look at your prayers because prayer is one of the means by which God brings the future into existence, right? He has decided that he is going to work his will into our desires and then our desires then are going to come to the Lord in prayer and he's going to answer that prayer and bring the future that he had planned into existence through the mechanism of us as his advisors, but our spirit, you know, he, he says the spirit, his spirit lives within us and groans to 
such that we then come to a particular desire and then we bring those prayers to the Lord. So he bring, because he likes the way that the world works, he brings us into it and we become his advisors. Um, it's a, but it's, it's, it's in such that we're in step with the spirit that lives within us, right? Um, the well, Holy it, Spirit. It, it, it is a circular logic theologically, but it really <laughs> totally. is. Um, it, it is because, well, it's, it's um, the uh, trust in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Right. Well, what, right. But he, what he's going to give you is himself because through being transformed by Christ, your desire becomes him. So right, exactly. You, it, you, you see what I mean? It goes around the desire. We think the desire of our heart is a, is a huge bucket of red vines, which it might be at that moment, but it's going to be Jesus. You know, if it's, if it's, right. if it's, if it's surrendered to him, it's going to be him and what, what he would have for us. Since we're talking about prayer, I want to look at another scene. This is titled, Bruce Learns to Pray. Let's see, because we know in we know that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. We have that, the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> My son reminded me of the, the joke about the Lord's Prayer. It's not a joke about the Lord's Prayer, but a, mis, a misunderstanding, like a misheard lyric, where it's, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. H-A-L-L-O-W-E-D, hallowed be thy name. And he had seen a meme come through that about a kid that misheard it and thought it was our, our father who art in heaven, Howard, be thy name. And that <laughs> made me laugh really hard. That is pretty funny. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. So now I kind of like, like what if Jesus' name were Howard? How weird would that be? Anyway, <laughs> that would be. Anyway, here's Bruce learning to pray. Come on. What do you really care about? I want to first. He's got prayer beads that comes out of Catholicism, and correctly, do you know? Do you know a little bit of the history of the prayer beads? Because he's holding them there. He got them in the story. He got them from his girlfriend, played by Jennifer Aniston, who in the movie is portrayed as a believer. She trusts God, and so on and so forth. And he does not. And he's. It's really his art to coming to faith okay. in God. And but he's got these prayer beads that his girlfriend gave him. Do you know? A little bit about that or yeah i mean i don't the i know there's the modern use of prayer beads and <clears throat> i don't think there's anything wrong in particular with prayer beads most of the time it's uh used now by roman catholics and the prayers that it's supposed to help you remember um, are not all prayers to god but mm -hmm. that um but yeah so i know it, i know what prayer beads are and how they work yeah all right all right here we go Oh, his girlfriend's name is Grace in the movie. You want it back? No. I want her to be happy. No matter what that means, I want her to find someone who will treat her with all the love she deserved from me. I want her to meet someone. Who'll see her always, as I do now. I'm gonna stop it there because I actually wanna bring your comment here. So some of the context of this, Jason, is the whole movie he's using God's powers for himself, for his convenience, for his right. for what he wants. There's clips I can't I can't show on this podcast. Um, they're just, they wouldn't be, they're not good for this podcast. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So, but there, you know, there's, there's everything he does is for him, his convenience, what he wants. And ultimately then his girlfriend, Grace breaks up with him. And now he is coming. He's now, this is the first time he's prayed for someone else. So in a right. Hollywood way, they're trying to bring, you know, the second dimension to, the character and give him a character arc when yeah. it comes to things like prayer do you think we pray and i mean we can relate this to bruce almighty a little bit but do this is kind of more of a theological question do we pray sometimes like too much for ourselves i know that sounds weird but you know sometimes we we're supposed to love others as we love ourselves but also if we listen to our prayers as john galvin would would, would recommend a lot of our prayers are about us some of our prayers are about ourselves how does that how do how do our prayers reflect who we love what we love and our understanding 
and thoughts toward God himself. Well, I think, I think there's, there's sort of two aspects to prayer. There's um, official prayer where you sit down and you say, okay, here's my list. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the throne of God with my list uh, of prayers. And um, that one, you know, I, I have used um, acts for a long time, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So you begin by, by praising the Lord um, and then confessing your sins um, that you need forgiveness for and then uh, l- listing some things you're thankful for before you start supplicating, asking for the things that you need as a way of trying to learn balance when I sit down and you know go through my prayers. Um, and uh, because if you if you are not being transformed, then your supplications take over. But then there's another kind of prayer that's not the official time of prayer prayer, either for your quiet times or for your daily prayers or for church prayers or public prayers, whatever, that are just, you know, throughout the day, oh my gosh, um, and this is uh, Lord help, you know, those sorts mm-hmm. of prayers. Or, um, you know, the ambulance goes by, Father in heaven help whoever is there, they're yeah. on their way to, that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, and that, I think, is where you learn if you if your prayers are overly selfish. Because it's easy to curate. I mean, I curate my official prayer time really well. And so it looks like I'm super balanced <laughs> because of my curated prayer time. Um, but the the that uncurated prayer, I think, is really um, revealing. And, you know, if all of those prayers are only about yourself um, and not for others, uh, then that's where I think you can learn, boy, I sure am self-centered. I think I'm the main character of this story uh, and I'm not a very good uh, I'm not a very good supporting actor. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to come back to this prayer clip. I realized I just put one in out of order, which is also partly why I wanted to stop it there. Let me give you this one. And this clip is entitled Be the Miracle. And this is where things really start to go wrong for Bruce Nolan. Okay. Are you here? Hello? I need your help! Clap on! Clap on! Clap on! Clap on! Clap on! Figures! Well, hello there, Bruce Almighty. Not as easy as it looks, is it, son? This God business. They're all out of control. It's mayhem. I I don't know what to do. Well, you're right on time. Seven o'clock. Seventh at seven. Then. There we are. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. No matter how filthy something gets, you can always clean it right up. There were so many. I just gave them all what they wanted. Yeah. But since when does anyone have a clue about what they want? So do I do. Parting your soup is not a miracle, Bruce. It's a magic trick. A single mom who's working two jobs and still finds time to take her kid to soccer practice, that's a miracle. A teenager who says no to drugs and yes to an education, 
That's a miracle. People want me to do everything for them, and what they don't realize is they have the power. You want to see a miracle, son? Be the miracle. <laughs> Wait, are you leaving? Yeah, I figure you can handle things now. But what if I need you? What if I have questions? <laughs> That's your problem, Bruce. That's everybody's problem. You keep looking up. All right, I'll hit it right there. There's there are a few there are a few things in there. We got about ten minutes left. I want to try to get okay. one more clip in, but go ahead. Well, the first off is that's that is not a true definition of miracle. That's <laughs> it's literally that. The, uh, it's those miracles you did those weren't miracles what's really miraculous is the non-miraculous that's, <laughs> that's uh kind of non nonsensical um you know it's like saying i have the i i have the gift of miracles well how do you know well i haven't gotten in a car wreck in 15 <laughs> years so <laughs> that's a miracle you're like well it's not really a miracle um i mean the the whole idea of a miracle um the, you know, a miracle is when uh, God sets aside the normal way of doing things, the normal laws of nature, and uh, um, for a moment, in for a particular purpose. That's what a miracle is. But, but I think the and the the problem being that you spend too much time looking up um, is that's definitely not really the. That's not a good definition of the problem. No, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a little know, bit. There, there were a little bit. Heavy, well, I mean, but that's that's going to be the world too. Look into your heart, which the Bible says right. is de desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Yeah, uh, you know, the Book of James says you you don't need anybody to tempt you. You make up. You invent evil. Yeah, uh, you know. You, so all Satan has to do is accuse you. Revelation twelve. So looking into your heart, pretty much the worst guide you could have, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> but that is the that is the cultural understanding. You keep looking right. up when you, you got the power. Now there is the Holy Spirit does indwell believers, right? That, so yeah. if we're looking, what's the balance between looking in and looking to the Spirit? Capital F. right? Well, and I I think that's where you know you you um this, that has to do with what uh, the scriptures call you know walking in the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? by um when he is saying here's how to live um through the word of god and through uh i mean that some sometimes it's really obvious like if you have somebody who um everywhere they go they're mean to everybody right they're constantly degrading everybody they talk to um and then they say lord why are all my relationships so bad <laughs> right and you and you say well it's not really God. I mean, this is not God's fault. You're a jerk all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried not being a jerk? That um, so in that there's a sense that I, in that sense, I think what he's saying makes sense. Um, and what I f find really fascinating is the image that they lay out there is uh, God as a servant, and then and yeah. um, whereas Bruce is serving himself and all and it has turned him visually into the devil. Yeah. Right? Because the, his face his falls down and lights on fire. He's got fire for his hair. And right. It's, he's visually been his, his selfishness has visually the power didn't make him like God because he was selfish. Right. And mm -hmm. so you've got this, him becoming the devil by means of having power. Um, and then God comes along mopping as a servant and he says let me teach you know he doesn't say let me teach you but he the next thing you know he's mopping with god and he's becoming a servant he's being trained to be a servant by god um so that whatever power or strength he has is used properly that's the, that part's all good is um you know if they would just stick with the visuals that the whole scene would have been great instead they had to open their mouths and <laughs> you know the jacob's ladder <laughs> thing there too but, uh, yeah, that was yeah. They, I, I mean, it, I, I find it really interesting how visual the storytelling is, mm -hmm. uh, which is probably why it was 
so popular. Um, you, you've always got the words, but then the visual storytelling is really what moves people. Usually, um, you know, the words can, words can add to that, but if you don't have the visual storytelling, then you can't replace the visuals with words. I was not able to find the clip in time. And as I'm looking back on the clips that I have, I don't have it. So I apologize. You can't see it, but uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this episode here. The, the climax scene, Bruce is on a bridge and, and he, he says, I surrender to your will. And I thought in this movie, I, and I really haven't heard, I haven't seen a Hollywood movie say, I surrender to your will, your capital yeah. I being God. And I did think that, okay, I said, okay, that is, that's actual prayer right there. I, yeah. I'm surrendering to your will in whatever it is. And also you made a good point. Having the powers of God, quote unquote, or being able to do things that you that you would not normally do in a finite existence doesn't make you God. And it, it, right. it, it turns you much more into the devil than than it does God. So and and then when he when he does have his I surrender to your will moment, again, you're it, it's Hollywood, so I'm not again, don't don't yeah. show this and try to bring people to the Lord. But <laughs> but that that is like that is that is prayer. It's it is us surrendering to God's will, whether it's in that moment or in that day or or, or what have you, and acknowledging who He is and thanking Him and so on, and, and confessions. You say the acts and and, uh, and even our supplications really are acts of surrender to God's will in those things yeah. that we're asking Him for. Well, and one of the things that about the the other scene with the prayer about his girlfriend, when he starts the prayer, he says, "I need grace." Or I want grace, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I'm praying, going to pray for grace. Well, and there's a dual meaning to that. Obviously, yeah. um, is the girlfriend, but he also he's come to realize that he needs grace, and grace is what makes us gracious, right? And so he received the. Well, I don't know the about well, you know, his girlfriend. Let's, he let's rece- but he definitely receives the grace if he ends by saying, "Lord, I submit to your will." That's that's what grace does, right? Grace transforms us into servants. He uh, doesn't, and then we turn. It turns out that the servant, the servant, is the one who makes the best ruler I, as well. I don't think this has the "I surrender to your will," but let's just look at the rest of that prayer too, since I only played the first few seconds of it, and we'll we'll wrap the show up after that. Come on. Then, let me get it. I'll move what do you forward. really care about? Want her to be happy. No matter what that means. I want her to find someone who will treat her with all the love that she deserved from me. I want her to meet someone. We'll see her always, as I do now. Through your eyes. Now that's a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. (laughs) I'm going to get right on it. Didn't feel very good. You got a rhythm. All right, I got a pulse. All right, let's let him up. Yeah, get the backboard and brace. Bruce. Bruce. Welcome back. You're lucky to be alive, son. Someone up there must like you. stuff winds up in a warehouse somewhere.
I swear I wanted to be mad at you forever. Yeah. So so he does get the girlfriend back too. Yeah, he gets the girlfriend back. Okay. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen Spoiler it. Spoiler alert. You haven't seen it. Oh my gosh. I'm anyway. I okay. don't know. I, I've been I can't get over that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one of the things I did also that I appreciated about that, again, again Hollywood, but he also showed some actual repentance in there, which is another thing I think, you know, we as Christians, we we tend to want blessing without repentance a lot of times. Right. And I've seen it a lot in churches where I've worked to help, you know, try to revitalize some. And, you know, you'll say, Hey, you know, these are some areas, there's some sin in the camp here. We need to repent and, 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 and let God deal with, but we're too used to it. So we don't, re- we don't repent of that because we don't want to give that up. And he does have an element of repentance in his prayer, in his surrender that I think, comes through visually and very understated in terms of the dialogue. But uh, uh, yeah. from the from the from the clips that you've seen, and you may have a couple of comments on this last clip as well. But go ahead and take the last word here. Well, I think the reason that we don't want to repent is because we don't really believe that Jesus died for our sins, right? Hmm. And so we 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 are afraid that if we go say, Lord, I because confession means we agree together with God about our sin or a, about. You know, whatever it is we're confessing, we agree together with God. And um, when we agree together with God about our sin, the only reason we don't is we're afraid that we're going to get something other than I forgive you. But because Jesus died on the cross, what we get with confession is God saying, I forgive you. And then among mm-hmm. other things, he stops treating us according to that sin. He's he's He forgets it um, in that sense. He doesn't treat us according to it anymore. The sin is gone and the distance that it created is gone. And, um, but the reality is when we confess our sins to the Lord, he forgives us of our sins because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So, um, yeah, the, and when we spend all of our time asking God for things and not any of our time confessing our sins, um, then, we have definitely gotten the whole thing uh, upside down and inside out uh, because the, the uh, when we go to approach the Lord, um, his holiness immediately should remind us of our sinfulness. Um, but the, the reminder of our sinfulness is so that we can confess and be reminded of Jesus's death on the cross for us. I mean, that's what, that's really what it comes down to is, is God the kind of God that forgives us of our sin? Well, when, when the spirit raised Jesus from the dead, we knew for sure he is. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's, that's uh, uh, why I think it is important that the repentance is joined together with the supplication regularly. All right, Jason. So uh, overall evaluation, you haven't seen the movie, so you can't really give us an entertainment value, but we'll start with entertainment value in what you saw does it have entertainment potential for someone who has well, not seen this movie yet? Well, Jim Carrey obviously looks like he's really hilarious. Um, <laughs> so um, the, I think that alone um, is the reason that I always keep thinking, oh, I've got to watch that one. That's the, the it's one of the, it might be the only Jim Carrey movie I haven't seen. There's hmm. um, Jim Carrey is a brilliant comedic actor. Yeah. And he's a really good dramatic actor as well. Um, so, uh, I think that alone probably gives it quite a bit of its its uh, entertainment value. Um, and then, you know, if if a lot of people are watching it, you don't want to miss out on possible conversations about God um, mm-hmm. with people that have seen it. Uh, so, um, well, and we don't like it's it not valuable. It's not a historical uh, biblical movie. So there's no historical value to it because it takes place in fantasy Ace Ventura land. Yeah. But, Theological value. First, give it a score one to ten. Ten being theologically right on the mark. I have a hard time thinking that's going to be your answer. One being absolutely there's nothing of value. No way. It's not theologically sound in any way whatsoever. And we realize, again, we're talking about people who don't believe in Jesus. 
making right. a movie about Jesus. So <laughs> about God. And they're right. doing it in a Zeus way. So all that withstanding, there's a little bit of a curve. Uh, give us one to ten theological accuracy, and then your why for that evaluation. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it sounds it, from what I've seen, I'd give it about a four. Mm-hmm. All the metaphysical stuff, I think, makes it really <laughs> impossible for it to be above a five, um, be, because it's you're not you're dealing with the gods and not God with a big G um, in that sense. Um, but then within it, it, it does look like it's trying. It's got an anthropology. Um, in which you know the the uh, you, you you it's trying to teach people to uh, be better humans, um, which is a, an important part of what Jesus does, right? It's yeah. it's uh, or it's an important. Uh, well, the, the it, ten shows us what a perfect human is. Yeah, the, the reason the ten commandments are broken down to two: love God, love others, is because the ten commandments, the first four are about loving God, the last six are about loving others. And so, yeah, how we relate to others and how we are humans to each other matters to God. It does. It does. And so that that part looks like it's it's trying to uh, to uh, get us to put others first and and that sort of thing, which which is good. We need we need those reminders in our stories regularly um, because otherwise, you know, we become we we build up rivalries naturally, easily. Um, and we need to be reminded to love one another um, on the regular basis. And for what it's worth, I also thought that it didn't, it, it, you know, Jim Carrey was being humorous and everything, but it didn't make fun of God the way Hollywood does. And it didn't portray Christians as, you know, these horrible, oppressive people and everything else. It had right. a much more sympathetic view to that. And that probably served the story. But I appreciated that because, as you know, we are punching bags for Hollywood and we're one of the last groups that it's okay to openly disparage and even discriminate against, particularly in media. So I appreciated at least at least that. Is that, right. is that fair? I think so. I think so. I think that's fair. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast, kind of a Pastor Reacts version. Want to know what you think of this episode or, or, or episodes like this? Did you like this? Was it fun? Was it interesting? Was it engaging? Let us know in the comments. If it is, we'll make more. If it's not, we'll pretend we never did this at all. And it was all Jason's idea to begin with. Okay. I, I just, I'm just a hired gun. I do what they tell me. <laughs> all right. Uh, but suffice it to say, let us know in the comments. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Lore at lore.tv, L O O R.tv. We are funding the stories that Hollywood and we're also deconstructing the stories that Hollywood did tell. So there you go. All right. For Jason Farley, I'm Andrew Southwick. This has been the Lore Entertainment. Entertainment Podcast. We'll see you next time.